Verse 8, the master commended the dishonest manager. He's still the dishonest manager. The master commended him because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. And now we understand what he's commended for. It's not that he's wicked. It's not that he's lazy. It's not that he's proud. Those are still to be avoided. It's that he was shrewd. It's that he was creative. It's that he thought outside of the box. That he, he had a plan and he implemented it, hoping that by building friendship, that by buying goodwill, he would secure for himself future housing. That they'll welcome me into their homes. And, and we get commentary on this. Jesus will say, the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than the people of the light. It's an indictment on us Christians. Jesus says, the world is creative. They're shrewd. Oh, they're not bound by, by moral boundaries and maybe they cross lines, they're illegal, there's things that we shouldn't do, but Christian, church, we need to be shrewd. We need to be creative, think out of the box. We need to be so consumed with the mission that God has given us that we are thinking about it. How can I do it differently? What can we do to try to reach more people? It takes us to a place of being willing to risk. You know, I tell my staff at the church where I serve, I tell them this all the time and they hate it. But I say, if you are not failing, you are not trying. And by that, I simply mean that if you are playing it safe, if you are doing the same things that you've always done with predictable success, then you're not risking, you are not trying, you are not trusting, you are not thinking out of the box. You can risk and fail, not lose your job. It's okay. In fact, if you're not failing, you are not trying. And it puts them in a position of, of hating their job in a way because they know I have to do something where I fail so that he knows I'm really trying hard. <laughs> but I want to create a culture where failing valiantly before the Lord is applauded, not recklessly, not foolishly, but taking risks, trying new things, getting out of our comfort zone both individually and corporately, that we try new things to the glory of God. And maybe... Maybe we hit on something. You know, it's pretty easy to get people to go to church in Easter, isn't it? Uh, we, we get just thousands of people at church on Easter, and we're excited, thrilled, welcoming. It is great. But we don't do that much special on Easter because it's really low-hanging fruit, right? They're going to come because it's Easter. And so... Um, but we think, well, what we want to do is get them back the week after Easter. That's the marker for us. Do they come back? 
And so about seven years ago, we decided we're going to put a lot of energy into the series that comes right after Easter. And we're going to use Easter as a time to advertise, to promote, to get the word out. And it's going to be things that people really are drawn to, that non-believers would be interested in, as well as Christians being edified by. And so we do series right after Easter, and we do it, we call it the Souvenir Series. And that's because we give away a souvenir. I know, some of you are like, that seems irresponsible. (laughs) It's exactly what my elders said. Uh, But we decided, we live in Hong Kong, we can get stuff cheap, and we can get stuff printed, and we can get copies of stuff, and... So, so we created, over a six-week series, we gave away the first year little cork coasters that had that particular sermon on it, uh, Rise Up, you know, all of these different sermons that were done, a six-week series, and each week, you got a different coaster, come all six, collect them all. <laughs> And, and we spent pennies, literally, on these souvenirs. And then at the end of the series, or about week four, we would sell the package. You could buy all six. And then the money that we made on selling the pack actually paid for all those that we gave out. And so I was able to say, we lost nothing on that. In fact, we made money on this. And people came, and then they wanted that next coaster, and that next coaster, and that next coaster. And we've done coasters, we've done magnets, we've done seven different things. Coming up is a series called Animal Kingdom, looking at animals in Scripture. And we have pencils with that animal carved on the top of the pencil. Right now, as we speak, some little guy in China is carving frogs and camels and variety of animals. But I'm telling you, we hit on something. And it's gotten a reputation in town. And people put these things on their desk and colleagues ask, where did you get it? Oh, my church. Your church? Because the perception is that church is boring. It's out of date. It's antiquated. It's not interesting. They say, you should come. And they do. And they get interested, and then they got to get the next pencil, so they come back. And pretty soon they're hooked. <laughs> because we think it's just money. It's just some creativity. It's just some risk. It's just some out-of-the-box thinking. And maybe by doing that, we could see someone's soul touched or someone's spiritual interest piped. Maybe we can work alongside people in our church to develop a strategy to invest in people and invite them to church, and perhaps the gospel will spread out. I used to work with uh, Campus Crusade for Christ, now known as Crew. Crew had a strategy at one point at the University of Texas, what I think of as UT. They thought, how can we get the gospel to as many people as possible? How can we do something that will get attention and get people to talk about this? And they they rented a a, a helicopter, and and they printed the gospel in tiny print and in a salient form on ping-pong balls and flew over the University of Texas campus and dropped ping-pong balls. (laughs) And, And they flew everywhere, and people picked them up and read the gospel. And you know what? 
Nobody came to faith. (laughs) In fact, Christians were lampooned and laughed at. Like, are you kidding me? You really think this falling from the sky is going to lead me to Christ? It didn't work. It was a waste of money. It was a bomb, a failure. But you need to try these things. Because then Campus Crusade came up with an idea, well, Maybe if we filmed Jesus' life and translated it into many different languages, people might come and see Jesus speaking Arabic or Korean or whatever and identify and put their faith. And you know what? Lots of people did. But you have to have the ping pong balls sometimes before you find the Jesus film. And you've got to be freed up from the gospel, which is what it does. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And it says our incessant need to manage our reputations should evaporate before the cross. Because we should be so compelled with this enterprise of using our life to perpetuate this message that we are freed up from any potential shame any ridicule or mockery or failure or financial um, loss simply is a thing that we learn from, we move on because we are compelled by this gospel. Verse nine, I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, not if, but when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Do you see what he does there? He says, you've got some wealth, and one day it will be gone for you. It'll be ineffective, of no value to you. So he says, here's how you should use it in the interim. Invest it in eternity. Do things with it creatively. Be shrewd like the world is. Be as shrewd as a serpent, innocent as a dove. But be shrewd as a serpent. And make friends with your money. Doesn't that seem manipulative? Insincere? little bit. He says, the way you use your money might just endear people to you. And so do that. Spend it. Be generous toward non-believers. Shock them with your lavish generosity. And maybe they will think, what makes you like that? And a friendship comes. So that, he says... When it's gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. Should they die before you, they go to be in heaven because of the way in which you manage your resources, your time, your creativity, that they would welcome you into eternal dwelling. There's the parallel. And he says, use your life in ways that are bent on this eternal purpose that God has for us. It's such a quick time. Be shrewd. When we were living in Memphis, I remember thinking, how do we implement this? And we did it in big ways and in small ways. One, one way we would do it is in our neighborhood, we would always have kids coming by and they're selling Girl Scout cookies, they're selling 
candles for their bands. They're selling cruddy stuff you don't want as a fundraising appeal for any number of school projects. And there's lots of kids, right? And we didn't have a lot of money, so we had a policy. We will always buy your stuff. We were the easiest target on the block, and that's the reputation we wanted. So we bought Christmas paper we thought we didn't need. We had candles that were ugly. We just bought the stuff because we wanted those kids to come dashing to 3785 Rosedale. We wanted them to think well of us because there would be 364 other days of the year in which we hoped we got to have conversations, invitations, and whatever the cost of that candle was, was certainly worth it. We get wedding invitations, lots. And so we have a policy. If they're non-believers, we crank it up a notch. (laughs) They get better gifts, more money. Why? Because I wanted them to go, he's a pastor. That's nice. (laughs) Sorry, Christian couples. (laughs) Uh, But we wanted to, to, in a simple way, display generosity that, that somehow registers, builds friendship and goodwill because if we can leverage the price of whatever that gift might be, if we can leverage that for something that will give us an entree into their lives and they see us as generous and kind, then what an easy decision that is. The way in which we spend our money says a lot about who we are and what we believe about our God. And First of Van does such a brilliant job of this of giving money to missionaries. When I, when I arrived in Hong Kong, the chairman of the search committee there who had effectively hired me had come from a church in California. And, and I told him in an offhanded comment, uh, yeah, the church I'm from in Memphis I think is the best mission church in the country. <laughs> I'm not sure that's actually true. But in my mind, it was. And he challenged it. He goes, no, I don't think you know Lake Avenue Church in California. I was like, well, it doesn't matter because we're the best. (laughs) But that was my view. We had 52 missionaries. We gave X percentage away to missions. It was was our core. It was our bread and butter. It It was what we held as true. And we would often say, you have more of that which you honor. And so we would honor the missionary, pray for them, hold them up as models, not because just because they didn't deserve it in and of themselves, but because we wanted to see it's a noble thing. We believe that. We must continue to believe that. But we must also think creatively about how we as individuals can can take this money that has been entrusted to us and use it in ways that, that might fail, that might render zero fruit. They might be a ping pong ball, but it might be a Jesus film. And so you just keep doing it. And you think and you scrutinize, you're wise, but, but you remember, I don't need to be overly critical and overthink it because I really got to be generous and I got to give and I got to invest and I got to pray and I got to care because I've got to have not only a heart for the lost, Luke 15, 
but I've got to have a head that thinks about the loss as well. I've got to have a heart, and I've got to use my head to be shrewd, shrewd as a serpent and innocent as a dove. God, we do pray that you would make us a people that is always burdened for lost people, not in just some distant way where we think about tribes we'll never see or languages we'll never speak, but neighbors that live next door to us, colleagues.